TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. It's The Scoop with Darren Dookie Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News. And away we go, Scoop Podcast faithful, on this late Thursday afternoon, the 10th of December. The year is 2020. This is Scoop Podcast episode 325. We'll go notes, then conversations. In no particular order, the Wolves have not given the G League a firm no. In other words, it looks like they are in for the G League bubble. Expected city, Atlanta, expected fee, north of $500,000. In fact, I had one agent tell me earlier this week that he heard the entry fee could be closer to $750,000. Some teams are out, but the Wolves appear to be in in some form or fashion. Now, could the Wolves combine with another franchise, combine into one team? Yeah, maybe that's a possibility, but it looks like the Wolves, at least as of now, are in because they have not given the G League a firm no like other franchises. So you think about guys like a Day Murky, who's been on this podcast before, Minneapolis native, University of Denver, Tyler Cook of Iowa. So you think about Murky, you think about Cook. Those guys could be part of the G League. Then you think about a guy like Jaden McDaniels. Jaden McDaniels has the potential to be good, but he is not going to play in the 2020-2021 season. So he needs some run. The freshman from the University of Washington, who the Wolves got late in the first round. Think about how beneficial it would be if he could get some run in the G League. Then you think about a guy like Kenyon Barry, who the Wolves still want to get a look at. They didn't invite him to training camp, but he would be on their G League team. They have a coach, Sam Newman-Beck. I'm sure Sam would love to coach some guys in the G League. If the Wolves needed to send a guy down like a Jared Vanderbilt, if he's not getting run up here, although Jared is beyond, at least in my opinion, needing any sort of G League run, but they would have some options. Now, this bubble is said to be maybe 14 games, 16 games, somewhere in that vicinity. We're not talking about like a full season, but nonetheless, it would be valuable run for some of the Wolves' younger guys. On Jordan McLaughlin, it's a stare-off. Will the Wolves budge? Will McLaughlin budge? He's a restricted free agent, so he doesn't have much wiggle room, but he's looking for a little bit more on the backside. If the Wolves want to make a move after a year, that he gets some financial protection. The Wolves like to structure contracts for their younger guys. Think Jalen Noel, think Nas Reed, where the Wolves have all these years of team options. So if Jordan is to grant the Wolves multiple years of team options, he just wants some protection on the backside in the event that they decided to part ways. I do know of teams that have interest in McLaughlin, but they are either up against it luxury tax-wise or have 15 contracts already on their roster. So Jordan McLaughlin signing an offer sheet at this point, is not likely. What the Wolves are offering, by the way, is more than a two-way. Jordan McLaughlin is way, way above needing a two-way contract. He has legitimately earned an NBA contract. The question is, will he sign the contract that offers the Wolves multiple years of team options? If he does, he wants some protection on that backside. Lots of James Harden trade talk. Will the Wolves have interest in James? I don't foresee a scenario where James Harden ends up with the Wolves, but They like to have their finger on the pulse of what's going on. Do I think that at least an inquiry will be made just to see what the price of business is? Yeah, I think the Wolves would like to have a sense of of what Houston is asking for, but I don't see a scenario where James Harden ends up here in Minnesota. But the question becomes, we know just based on my reporting, 
going back multiple weeks that the Wolves have interest in P.J. Tucker. They had interest pre-draft, draft night. There's interest in P.J. Tucker. So if Houston blows this thing up, and if you move James Harden, you're blowing things up, would they move pending free agent P.J. Tucker? If so, I imagine the Wolves would have interest. On Gophers men's basketball, Brandon Johnson out for Thursday night's game against Missouri-Kansas City, sprained his left ankle pretty badly late in the win Tuesday over Boston College. Don't be surprised if he has to miss more than tonight's game. On Liam Robbins, I've seen a lot of Twitter comments. What's up with this guy? I don't see it. Give him some time. This is not common knowledge, but right before camp ramped up preseason, he had to miss two weeks. He is still working his way back into peak shape. So just give Liam Robbins some time. He has missed some easy shots. Eventually, when his conditioning is better, I think he starts to make many of those shots. I'm Booth Gotch. If there's anything good from this pandemic, it's that Booth Gotch was interested in coming back home, playing for his home state Gophers. I just think in a normal world, he doesn't end up with the Gophers. Whether it would have been Maryland or elsewhere, he would have ended up elsewhere. But the easiest path to gaining immediate eligibility was to leave Utah to come here, to come home. And so he did now. The way the NCAA has flipped things, so many guys got immediate eligibility waivers this particular year. Maybe he could have gone somewhere else and become immediately eligible. But there really wasn't like this big reason why he left Utah. So his camp just figured, hey, if we're leaving Utah, our easiest path to getting immediate eligibility was to come home. So Booth Gotch ends up with the Gophers. So far, so good with Booth Gotch. He can play. Somebody close to Josh Donaldson told me with Eddie Rosario gone, he will pursue his old number 20. The Twins have kicked the tires with the Reds on starting pitcher Sonny Gray. There is a starter. He just got posted by his Japanese team, Tomoyuki Sagano. I don't know if I'm saying the name right. S-U-G-A-N-O. He has the same representation as Kenta Maeda, Jose Barrios. The Twins have a good relationship with the American agent helping Saguno, Sagano, I don't know the exact pronunciation anyway. He is a starter on the Twins' radar, but the Red Sox are said to be interested. The Yankees, there are many teams interested in this starting pitcher. And looking at the starting pitcher market right now, you have Trevor Bauer, then a bunch of other guys. Sagano is right up at the top of the list right after Bauer. Guys like Odorizzi are in that mix. You've got Tanaka, some others, but certainly Sagano is right there. So the interest in him is easy to figure out. Kiki Hernandez is a guy the Twins have kicked the tires on. Joaquin Soria, Michael Brantley, Adam Duvall, Kyle Schwarber. Heck, Duvall is under the same agency umbrella as Marcelo Zuna. I'm told his name has come up, but we are not to the point of the Twins extending legit offers. So I can talk all I want on the Twins kicking the tires on free agents, but until they extend legitimate offers... I don't know how much it means. Like, I'd hate for what I'm saying right now to be aggregated. Like, the Twins are interested in Marcelo Zuna. No, not really. Not at this point. You know, the number one choice is to retain Nelly Cruz, Nelson Cruz, but no real movement on that front. The Twins remain interested in bringing back Rizzi. They have interest in bringing back Tyler Clippard. We'll get to my conversation with Trevor May in a second, but you'll hear May Note that the Twins never made him an offer. So, yeah, the Twins talked to his agent. The Twins showed interest in retaining Trevor May. But when push came to shove in the end, the Twins did not make Trevor May an offer. So there is a difference. Tire kicking, planting a seed versus making an actual offer. The Twins made Zach Wheeler a year ago an offer. Two years ago, they made Hugh Darvish an offer. They've made other free agents offers, sometimes on a one-year 
basis when guys were easily going to get multiple years so we can debate how legitimate some of these offers have been over the years but it ramps up when the twins make a legit offer in the case of some of the names I just mentioned we're not quite to that point do I think eventually the twins make at least one of those guys an offer I do but here on December 10th we just haven't gotten to that particular point Kyle Rudolph missing practice again today. He injured his foot pretty badly at the end of the win over Jacksonville on Sunday. I would be surprised if Kyle Rudolph plays on Sunday. Now, I hear he wants to play, so if he ends up playing, you know that he won a nice fight with the Vikings team doctors, but at this point, it is trending toward Kyle Rudolph not playing. I don't have a great update on Eric Hendricks. He missed practice again on Thursday, but I don't know. I don't have a good feel here on late Thursday afternoon whether Kendricks will be out there for that important game Sunday at Tampa, but I do have the intel on Rudolph. The Vikings are signing Hale Hentges, a tight end. He spent last year with the Redskins, caught a touchdown for the Redskins, the then Redskins, I get it. Now they're the Washington football team, but last year when he played for them, they were the Redskins, caught a touchdown for them, spent some time earlier this year with the Colts practice squad. So that can just tell you where the Vikings feel like their tight end depth is. Irv Smith Jr. did return to practice today, so that is a good sign as we trend towards Sunday. Definitely some revisionist history going on this week with the Vikings-Buccaneers matchup. Antoine Winfield Jr. talked to reporters on Wednesday, noted that the Vikings really didn't show much pre-draft interest. That's because they were never taking a safety high. Did the Vikings, put it this way, I mean, to this day, do the Vikings like Antoine? Are there fans of Winfield Jr. at TCO Performance Center? 100%. There were guys pre-draft saying Antoine Winfield Jr. is going to be a really good pro, but they were always aiming high in the draft to get an outside corner. Now we can debate whether that made sense with Anthony Harris likely to depart in March as an unrestricted free agent. So you could argue, why not bring in a guy that could have been a backup? He could have played some slot nickel. You know, he can do some different things. Why not bring in a guy like Antoine? He could have been used in different ways. And then a year from now, when Anthony Harris is gone, He slides into that starting gig. We can have that debate, but I'm just telling you, the Vikings were looking for an outside corner. So they went the route of Jeff Gladney. They never considered taking a safety high up in the draft. Winfield Jr. was always trending toward being a very high pick. In fact, I think a lot of people thought when he fell to the 40s that he fell, that he was going to go in the late 20s or 30s, maybe even the early 20s. So it just never was to the point of the Vikings targeting a safety that high in the draft on Tyler Johnson the Vikings had many many wide receivers rated higher again we can debate that but the Vikings just weren't pre-draft big fans of Tyler Johnson shameless plug as news develops D Wolfs on KSTP D Wolfs on KSTP on Twitter I post often on the social media platform all right let's get to conversations now let me begin with former twin new New York Mets reliever Trevor May Trevor, let's just start with, like, this contract is is life-changing money. Like, think about after your Tommy John surgery, as you're in, you know, that, that hospital bed, maybe thinking the lowest of lows, even though there's many instances of guys coming back even better than ever after Tommy John. But, like, take me back to your emotions that particular day to getting to this point, signing this big contract. Yeah, um... Yeah, that day, you know, even even if you're fully confident that you're going to come come back, it, it's still kind of daunting to think about the road that you have ahead. Um, so, yeah, it was it's hard to hard to really imagine um, 
at that time, it was just all about taking one day at a time. I think I had really locked myself in at that moment. But the but the time that I actually I think that was was the biggest um, change or the biggest realization I think is uh, my wife and I had a conversation. I remember being in um, being in Rochester. Uh, we had it just I had just got done rehabbing. I got optioned, um, so I was in AAA, just fully in AAA, still being a starter. And I was I was really mad. <laughs> I was really mad. I'd been optioned. Um, I it was so uh, uncertainty in the future is is so it's tough for me sometimes. And and that was a big 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 blow. And I'll never forget talking to my wife and just being like, I think I want to go to the bullpen. Uh, make how how I made the change, like how I made that. I'm like I don't know if I'm gonna get to the big leagues again this year if I'm not in the bullpen because we had four. We had you know four forty man guys that were starters and me. So if all five of our starters were forty man guys. Uh, and I was the oldest by far. So um, I I remember that decision being like, I, I want to get back and I want to give myself an opportunity, just one more chance. This is all about the opportunities with, you know. And and so I, I went in the next day and I did that. Just told my agent, hey, let's tell them that let's do this. And uh, I'll never forget my pitching coach, Stu Clyburn, said, you know, you just want to kick up dust. I'm like, yeah, let's just go kick up dust. That's just the most Stu Clyburnism ever. But uh, he, uh, so so i did that uh got a couple opportunities there was you know the whole uh, the kitchen sink was traded that year and i was thinking i was the fifth guy called up out of the five trades so um i got my opportunity and then here we are two years later uh that was two years ago that wasn't that long ago uh two years later and and i'm having an opportunity to uh to test free agency and 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 get an opportunity because you know that's how baseball is you gotta you're trying to get to free agency because that's where that's where your opportunity to set yourself up beyond baseball um is so you want to take advantage of that and i'm i'm eternally grateful that i got that opportunity again and that that uh that here we are with with moving forward take us through the process how you ultimately ended up deciding on the mets did they court you right from you know the second free agency started or was this thing you know pretty fast during the last you know week or so they call your agent and next thing you know they make an offer and you make a decision uh they, they were in the they were in the first day of calls uh first or second day so they were they were in the first uh three or four teams to call um and and you know it's it, with the process it's like it's all about figuring out you know there was a lot of fluidity uh with a lot of different teams with 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 gms and and the mets weren't weren't were also one of those teams like uh with with uh gm leaving and 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 you know that spot kind of not filled yet and um you know you're trying to figure out how that's all going to work so that's a big part of the process is just like you got to figure out who's going to be kind of making the decisions for the team. And then you start to figure out your budget. So we had the COVID season too. So there was a lot of like, this could be really quick or this could be really long and we really don't know. And then where are we, where am I stacking up in the market? What teams, you know? So like, there's just a lot going into it. So I just assumed like it would be, it'd be a long process. And um, we had a good number of teams in like to the point where um, it we thought we would be remiss if we didn't, at least hear 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 it out um, and let it develop a little bit, um, which was awesome, and and that's that's what you want. Um, and it's just it's it's about uh, uh, after that. I mean, the Mets kind of just straight up went to the front of the pack, uh, and that happened very quickly. One day before Thanksgiving, actually, the day before Thanksgiving. So I actually before this thing, you know, got out to the or got out to the press, I'd been I'd kept it a secret for eight days. Uh, <laughs> That had been a long time, uh, but um, I was—I'm was really proud of myself that it didn't come from my end. 
or it might have. I don't even know at this point, but uh, they were, it was a long time. Um, so yeah, it just kind of we we they called. Um, they kind of we heard a lot of a lot of the, a similar range from a lot of different teams, and this this one was different. Um, and so we so we went we went with it. And we we got negotiations, and it happened all within an hour and a half or two hours. And I just remember being like, we've been thinking about this for a long time for since the beginning of this season, just how this would work. And now it's time time to say if if this thing comes through, will you say yes? I'll never. And he, he asked the questions like, if if he comes back with this, are we going to say yes? And I just looked at my wife and was like, Yeah, I think it's I think it's the way to go. Um, and he was my it was like, just you know, got a good opportunity. You got to take you got to take the opportunities you get, especially how how this off season is. So, um, and I I count myself very fortunate. Um, I just I know that there's going to be a lot of guys that that don't have that situation um and a lot of guys uh having to having to 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 wait a little bit longer and, and talk to a lot of different people about a lot of different things so, so i consider myself fortunate that it, it was a relatively uh straightforward process and it's a finite career it's not like you know you're an accountant where you know you're going to be doing this for for 40 something years if not yeah. longer like it's a very tiny window where you can maximize your your earning potential so when you talk about how how the Mets were different. I mean, was the difference just overall, just the, the monetary value of what they offered you? Um, that had so, that had a good amount to play with it. I, I I'm gonna be if I'm completely frank and honest. Uh, I just just based on like how quickly it happened, we really don't know if if another another player would have gotten to that that place. I, I really don't. I don't know for certain. Um, and there it might have been an opportunity somewhere, but um you know, going to New York and, and, and kind of the excitement around Steve Cohen and having half there. And just, there was a lot to like. Um, and I'm really, uh, for the sake of honesty, eight was my wife was super excited about going to New, being in New York city and having that adventure. Um, and, and, you know, I can't ignore that either. So, um, and I have a sister that lives in Brooklyn. Um, like there's just a lot, there's just a lot of, lot to look forward to a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of stuff to like um and they were already kind of at the top of the board as it was it, they, it was always kind of that assumption the excitement was just a little bit more there and so you know me i i when people are fired up and i want to be part of it and i want to i want to help uh with that and I, I feel like you know especially with this last two years in minnesota um we had a we had a crew that fired people up and was 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 easy to root for and easy to cheer for and and that that translated onto the field um, and I like being part of that. And I, I sense those same things in a lot of the player players. Um, but when it comes from your, your, your new owner, cause teams just don't change hands very often. Like, I don't know if, I don't think a single team has changed hands since I've been playing, um, even since I was drafted. So, uh, this is, uh, that's an exciting thing. And he's a huge Mets fan and he, he ain't shy about it. And so it's all about just, it just was like, if the, if this is the right place and and we got to a place where we're we're comfortable with monetary side and 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 the people around me then like it's just a no brainer at that point and and that's kind of that's that's the process we went through i tried to keep it a process just like everything else i do and try to make the best decisions possible like you said you have a finite window um with covid and that was the first time i was going to make over a million dollars and then covid hit and i didn't do it i haven't made a million dollars in a year yet um you just you got to take advantage of the situation when you get it. 
And I mean, it's a really crowded right-handed reliever free agent market. I mean, how much Trevor did that factor in your decision where, okay, they make the offer. There was no reason to wait that, that, you know, there's all these righty relievers. The Mets want you. The offer was fair, plenty fair, more than fair, where you just said, I better take this right now. That's exactly what happened. Um, and, and to be honest, the right, right, right-hand reliever market is always crowded. There's a lot more of us. Uh, and there's a lot of big guys that throw hard. Um, there's always going to be every year, um, more and more and more actually, as we move forward. So, um, yeah, that, that plays in and, and, and as other guys sign your, your, your options start to diminish because those spots are filled on other teams. There's very rarely are people like we need three big right-handed relievers. Like that's, that's just not on anyone's wish list. So, um, so if you can, if one of those teams that, that is top of your list that you're excited about and that you would be really, really happy with to go to reaches out and offers it like it's just you just got to say let's go let's do it on the resurgence here i mean you were here for some down years down moments the last two years the incredible uptick how proud are you to be you know have been a part of the resurgence here i i'm i'm really grateful and and happy that i was able to be included in that uh had i i like to think have some sort of uh, impact on 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 our good teams last couple of years and and uh, another thing just I got traded over I heard all about the the young core guys coming up when I was traded over these guys were all in low a and high a with with cap and 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 Rosie and 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 Sano and Buck and you know like all all the all the young guns um and then I watched them all come into their own and become uh, establish themselves as big leaguers all at the same time um, and that I think that uh, a lot this might get lost in translation a little bit, but this that was the conversation a lot, you know, when Morney and Morney and all those guys were kind of kind of uh, towards the end of their contracts and stuff. And they're like, all right, when are these young guys going to be here? They had that period and we lost 103 games one year and I was there and uh, we had we had Brian Dozier coming to his own at that time, which was awesome. And so but the young guys hadn't really established themselves yet. And then they did. And then they won the, we won the vision lot two years in a row. So like that happened, um, you know, it's, it hasn't translated into the world series yet, but again, one of the 30 teams wins. Like, yeah, uh, there's a lot of those cr- uh, cores that come up are very good, have very good teams and like don't win a world series right away. You know, uh, a lot of other teams are doing the same thing, but it was, it was great to be like, to watch that and be around it. Byron Buxton's still my favorite player of all time. He, he always will be. I think just having him in center field was, it's going to be, I, I just, I don't know if I'm going to ever find another one. I like that being center. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's just, it's really cool. Something I'll never forget and, and really being on kind of being the low, the low and the high and the high. It, it basically, it, it mapped with my career kind of parallel too. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been, been a roller coaster. That's for sure. Any disappointment? You're right. I mean, one of 30 winning a world series is incredibly hard. There are some really good teams that just didn't win the World Series. But any disappointment that you guys couldn't at least make a, a semi-run in the postseason? A ton. Oh, there's a lot of disappointment there. Um, yeah, that's uh, – if anything, and I'm hoping this 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 goes for everybody, but we had a chip on our shoulder from two years ago. I hope that chip is twice as deep, three times as deep, based on how last year went too. Um, and I'm going to take that experience into – into whatever opportunities to get in the future to to communicate with the young guys who don't have as much experience or have never been to a playoff game or guys that have very little playoff experience to say hey 
it's not fun not to win any of the games. Um, yeah, sure, you get your offseason starts two weeks early, but who cares, right? Like, yeah, it's nice to have time off, but you get time off either way. So um, you just don't know how many opportunities you're going to get in the playoffs. I wanted to win for Minnesota because it's been a while, um, and and they deserve it. And and you know, everyone, we I, we know we 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 just know. Uh, and and that I felt all that in real time, even with no fans in the stands. I was like, I just I know how everyone feels right now. Times a hundred. I'm just so angry. Um, but it's nature sport. You know, you do everything that you can possibly do to be ready when you get the ball um, and when it's your bat and when it's your turn to start and, uh, and you just got to be as locked in and, and, and as in the moment as possible, especially in the playoffs, because those are so limited. Um, there's guys that never make the playoffs in their whole career. Lots of them. Um, and so, yeah, there's a chip. I'm going to take that chip to New York. Um, and, and who knows uh, what's going to happen in the future. You know, I, you know, I, I could be a twin again someday. Uh, that is a twin. <laughs> That is a twin thing when bringing guys back, which is which is you know one of the I think the best things about the organization is the loyalty and the and the people love you, they love you forever. So um, you know who knows and and but that chip's going to be there. Uh, you know regardless of what happens the next two years, I, I'm always going to have that chip. I think. Did they make an effort to bring you back now? Uh, it, to be honest, I got to be honest. It, it's slow. Um, it was just the whole the whole process was slow a lot of things were getting figured out i think a lot had to do with the tender deadline and stuff because you gotta that's when a lot of the the shuffling happens um and so um i would say yes but uh uh the aggressiveness i, I think that it was just going to be a longer process than and was in store for me um and that's kind of what it came down to but you know minnesota is going to have a place in my heart obviously for a long time it's i spent the majority of my career there i spent my entire major league career there uh the people and the and the the fans and the people in the area is is, is amazing um i enjoyed every moment i was there even the good the bad um and uh you know, i'm gonna i'm gonna miss all the team my teammates i'm gonna miss the staff and miss rock i'm gonna miss you know dad and Derek. i'm gonna miss everybody i, I really we really did have a really close-knit uh, uh group over there um you know big shout out to dustin morse and and uh mike herman uh, all this and 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 Roddy McCormick, all the guys that have done so much for me over the years. Um, Hot Rod is one of the best in the business. We always told him he was top thirty, top five in the division, but um, no, he's he's as good as it gets too. So I'd be remiss if I didn't shout him out of the number of boxes he sent to my house and the number of times that he's gotten my keys to get my car shipped. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just a, just a lot of uh, just a lot of people, a lot of great people, um, and anyone who ever is going to Minnesota that I played with or, or wants to go to Minnesota or has the opportunity to sign with Minnesota. Um, I was, I will always give the hundred percent do it. If you get the opportunity to do it, cause there's just, there isn't many uh, uh, better places to play than, than, than Minneapolis. Rest in peace, big fella. I'm sure big fella certainly had an influence Megan. on you in, in the club. Absolutely. Yes. So he, when, he had when, an influence. That's oh, for sure. he absolutely had an influence. I'm sure he <laughs> just, he, he talked your off about Alabama yeah, football yeah. and whatever yeah, else. He did. Yeah. When I tell this part of the story, is it fair to say, okay, they they talked to your agent, but in the end, they didn't make an offer. Is that fair? Or did they make an offer? I'm going to be honest. We only got one offer. It, that, And I think that was just speed more than anything. Um, so, it, you know, when it comes to that question, I, I want to be an honest, as honest as possible. It, you know, it's just, it's, uh, that's just kind of how, like, 
the, in reality, I think just the other 29 teams really didn't have an opportunity. <laughs> I think that's probably 99% of what happened. And sometimes that happens. You get scooped um, and, and you get an offer you can't refuse. And, and that's kind of what happened. And, and that's, uh, you know, I, the, the process is the process. It, it's pretty logically what people think it is. It's just, you just have candid conversations about what you're looking for and what you want. And, and, uh, and that's it. That's all. That's all there is. What do you think? I mean, besides the Hef connection, like what, what were the Mets drawn to the most about you? I mean, is it, is it the, the fastball velo keep going up? Is it just the overall strikeout numbers? combination more than that what do you think led to the Mets saying you're our guy we're going to be very aggressive we want you in our bullpen um I had a combination of those things I got a little bit of experience too uh, a little bit of playoff experience now um pretty versatile I think that probably played in strikeout numbers and obviously you said the velocity I think that uh free agency too um my uh you want to get guys kind of that are on that upward trajectory just in terms of like stuff and um uh, consistency. So, uh, I think that there's still so much room for improvement for me, um, that that true breakout season is still in front. Um, and that just might be me and the, the works never done mindset kind of thing. But, um, I, you know, I think even statistically it kind of points to that a little bit. So I, I'd say that played in, uh, obviously I'm, I don't know exactly, right. Uh, what exactly like the bullet point list for me was, but those are things I take pride in. I think that always getting better and, and, you know, having relatively low inning numbers uh, overall, just because of Tommy John and stuff too, could play. And so, you know, um, you just want to, you, you just want to get, you want production out of the guys you sign and, and, uh, and uh, prime, I'm primed to produce. <laughs> so, and you're still in uh, the prime of your career, yeah, right? I mean, yeah. they have you for what your ages you're what a late September birthday. So, I mean, for the yeah. most part, ages 31, 31 and 32, 32. seasons, mm -hmm. that's still right. I mean, even yeah, though maybe the prime of baseball players is going down now with guys maybe coming up sooner than, than 20, 30 years ago. I think it matters. Days. Yeah. I think it matters. But 31, 32 is still up. the yeah. prime of your career, right? Yeah. I was called up at 24. So that actually is my career now. Now for, for Acuna, it might be 27, 28, you know, who knows? But, uh, um, it's yeah, it depends on when you called up, but yeah, I, I would say that uh, prime of your career, whatever, what you know, there's all those, all those stats and all those things you, that, that kind of um, add to um, rationalizing a decision. So, um, but I, I really, I just, I, I believe I'm a good pitcher. I believe I got room to improve. I believe that I, I can, I can continue the, the, the trajectory I'm on in New York um, with all, with the, with the tools and with, with half around and with, with, you know, uh, continuing that, that process that I've been doing and just keep continuing to add on it, making and staying healthy. That's just a big thing. Everyone asks me what my goals are now. Like, Oh, you want to strike out a hundred or do you want to throw you know, 75 innings? Those two things are like, very, there's minimal control over those, but staying healthy the entire year has been my goal for three years. And I want to continue that because I know that when I feel good, that all that other stuff just comes along with it. Um, and so uh, that's the biggest thing for me. Just, just go out, stay healthy. And I think the production will be there. I'll leave you with this. I mean, is your message to Twins fans that, that are still sad many days later that, that you're still going to interact with them? If they reach out to you, whether it's Twitch, Twitter, you name the social media platform, that just because you're now in New York, you'll still plan on interacting with Twins fans if they reach out to you. That, that is what all that stuff's for. That's what I strongly believe is, is part of my job um, as, a, as an athlete 
isn't to just play the game and then disappear into my hole. It's to, to get you excited and have you have the best experience you can have because without fans, people watching us do what we do, like there's literally no point to play baseball instead of other than it's fun. You know, I, I'm so, I'm so grateful for everything they've done to me, done for me and, and the people that were just like so supportive at all times and, and like treat you like a human. Um, um, and that you can't say that for everybody. And, and, and I think that you just, you're just not going to find a, a, a mean soul in, 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 in twins territory. So of course, um, of course, of course, I'm going to always be available. You're twin, you're twins fan. I'm not going to be like, Oh, now I'm a Mets player. Now I can only talk to Mets fans. That's not how it works. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm always going to be available. And, uh, people come into my chat all the time. They'll say, go Cubs or go Cardinals or, Oh, Yankees. That's the big one. That happens a lot. I was going to say, uh, yeah, I mean, you growing up a Mariners fan, there's no way you can embrace yeah, uh, Yankees it, fans, is there? Uh, there was a funny article about, like, I don't know, it was titled, like, Trevor May lo- loathes the or Yankees. And it was just based <laughs> on, like, I grew up a Mariners fan. I played for the Twins. So all the history's there. But if you really look at it, like, there's 16 teams around the league that have history with the, you know, they have 20, how many, 27 rings, 28 rings, whatever it is. Like, come on. They beat everybody at some point, right? So uh, uh, it's that's it's kind of a running joke a little bit at this point, just like oh, he must, hit. and it's like, come on, like if you like if you're but but what I always say is well, whoever it is that you're cheering for in the chat uh, or whoever you, it is, like oh, I, I'm a Twins fan, but I like you. Like if you like baseball, I like you. That's how that's how it works. If you're a baseball fan, I'm just happy that you're that you're excited about your team, and just because I don't play for that team, you know how much control do we have over that? So um yeah i it's just it's fun man it's fun but someday i'm someday i'm gonna be retired and no one's gonna care so i'm just i'm I'm enjoying it while i can one more hit me what's your level of confidence that that we'll see 162 games that you'll head to where's the met spring training site port st Lucie, sometime in mid-february port have the have the semblance of some sense of normalcy with with a regularly scheduled training camp spring training i mean what's what's your level of confidence in all that so spring, I, I, spring, I do not know. I, I, I genuinely believe the season will be fairly normal. I think the spring training might have some adjustments just because of the nature of it. And, and like not having fans, like there's, for example, if you don't have fans in spring, like there's very little reason to do it there except for we play each other. I, I really, I have no idea. Uh, to be honest, I, I've become so apathetic about this whole situation. I'm just, I, I, it's kind of where I just throw my hands up. And I say, you guys do just tell me where to be, when to be there. Um, but I genuinely think, I think that our protocols worked um, for the most part. I think that we, if we went through the season the same way with that strict stuff that we could make it happen. I don't know about spring just because of, um, you know, where it is, how close everybody is together, how much traveling there be involved. We're, we're way more like interactive with teams than we are during the normal season. So that's, that could be an issue. Um, but I, I genuinely think it would have it would have to be a governmental action in order to to quote unquote like to push anything back. I think that that would have to be probably that does it. I think that we're at that point, um, and you know, like, like who knows what's going to happen in the next month. So um, I'm just, but I know that for me, being a reliever and the way that we handled quarantine last year, I was able to stay pretty ready. And the three the three weeks of of summer camp actually got me to where pretty close to where I needed to be in terms of arm strength, all that stuff and throwing four or five times a week 
during quarantine, throwing a bullpen every every week or every every ten days or so, kept me sh- sharp enough, but also got me enough rest to where I had a lot of energy through the whole season, and I was re- ripping ready to go even in the playoffs. I was feeling really good still. So um, I'm going to continue that. I'm going to get ready as if it's a normal spring training, and then we'll adjust from there. And that's that's just kind of how you have to handle it. But in terms of just generally quarantine all that stuff, man, 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 I hope this vaccine is just the the bee's knees. I hope it's just, I hope it's first somehow it magically multiplies itself. And that's a new property that we just discovered in science and everyone can have it immediately. I hope that happens. I doubt it, but maybe we can go to Harry Potter's world and they can just like <laughs> multiply them for us. I don't know. That'd be, that'd be so great. And then we can just move forward. But it uh, would be amen on that. Meantime, that's a great point. Yeah. That's a great point. In and, the meantime, uh, just got to do the best we can, we can to, to, to stomp it as best we can where we are. That's that's what I'm doing. So. That's what we're, well, hopefully a lot of us are, hopefully are a doing. Lot of us I doing, can speak yeah. for my family. We're doing it too. So yeah. stay safe. I know I speak for, for cool. many of my media colleagues here in the Twin Cities, plus a lot of Twins fans. When, when I say we wish you nothing but the best. Thank you. Thank you. Good dude, good pitcher. He will be missed. Trevor May, New York Mets reliever. Let's now transition to somebody Trevor knows. Nick Anderson, Tampa Bay Rays reliever, just was named this week. First team all MLB. He is one of the relievers. First team all MLB. That points to how good Nick is. He was dominant in the regular season. He struggled, unfortunately, in the postseason. Nick Anderson came to studio last week before heading back to Florida. He'll be back in town for a little bit over Christmas, but he'll end up spending a majority of the winter in Florida, but he was nice enough to come into studio late last week. We talked for a while. Here is my conversation with Rays reliever, Twin Cities resident, Crosby, Minnesota native, Nick Anderson. Nick, we're now, what is it, about five, six weeks ahead of, of the season ending. Have you had a chance just to just to decompress and just reflect upon just the roller coaster that was the 2020 baseball season? Yeah, a little bit for sure. Uh, I've just been kind of chilling over the last five weeks, I guess. I didn't realize it's been like a month, five weeks or something. Like, yeah. Yeah, give or take. It's yeah. Um, so I was up north at my dad's house and just helping him with some stuff, and uh, it was kind of nice. I haven't really been on my phone, uh, no social media, nothing. Uh, <laughs> I've just been chilling. It's been awesome, and it definitely was a wild season. And you know, all the friends talk to me and bring it up, and. Uh, yeah, really. It's really hard to explain or even put into words like what the season was like um, with all the restrictions and everything. And then obviously going through the postseason with pretty much no days off, um, it, it was a wild ride. And, you know, I guess that's part of sports, really. You, you don't really know what's going to happen. So You talk about that wild ride, but then just snap of the fingers. Okay, so you go up north to, to the Crosby area. You're helping your dad on, on, you know, his property. And you're right. You turn off your phone, no social media. Like, think about the emotional high where you were not that long ago, right? On, on the biggest stage in your sport, right? For the world to see, like, you're on the mound. Game six of the World Series. Then all of a sudden, you're just, you're up in Crosby. Like, that just has to be wild to me. Like, to me, it would take a while to really decompress. Yeah, it, it does. It does. Yeah, I don't know if you could really put a time limit on when, you know, when you kind of like hit the reset button. You're like, oh, all right, you know, no weight on your shoulders or, or anything. Um, 
just kind of it just kind of happens naturally and and for me that's like being around family and stuff so back in Brainerd with my dad and my mom and sister were up there quite a bit too so just kind of just hanging out and staying off the phone and you know eventually you kind of hit the point where you start getting the itch and you're like hey all right I think I need to get back in the gym you know and then it kind of starts I don't want to say you start putting pressure on yourself but but you feel you're like all right well I kind of gotta start getting back to work um and and there really isn't a time limit on that it just for me anyways uh I just kind of like to go with the flow a little bit and let my body let my mind kind of just relax and then when it, it's kind of tells me like kind of kicks me in the butt and it's like hey all right you need to get going the way last year ended for you how does that motivate you right now and heading into spring training i won't really say there's any extra motivation um i'm really kind of you know some things go your way some things don't go your way uh it, it really for me as long as you put in the same work or kind of go out there with the same mentality um you know the results are kind of the results so you know everybody's like oh whatever however many hits i gave up during the regular season or or whatever you know and then the postseason and it's not that isn't really important to me for it's just like i said kind of having the same mentality the same thought process um same aggression going out there um and you know if I've had bad years, <laughs> so it's, you know, if things don't go your way, well, it's things just don't go your way. Um, I don't think you really can put too much thought into that. It's, it's really just kind of the, the force behind, you know, inside of you, really, of, of just going out and performing it and trying to do your best, really. I mean, as cliche as that is, you know, it's like parents tell your kids, it's like, hey, just go out there and do your best, you know, give it your all. And really, that's all you can ask for, though. And like I said, kind of what happens after that is just whatever. Which you did, right? Like, it's not like you wanted to give up a home run to Aaron Judge, right? Like, yeah. it happens, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's part of the game. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it, yeah, I don't really have anything else to say on that, except it's just part of the game. And people give up runs, give up hits. And um, sometimes you give up, you know, fly balls that get robbed. It, it just doesn't, you know, they're home runs, but they get robbed. And it's just luck went your way. Uh, it's, it's just the way that's, and that's one thing that makes sports so great. It, it doesn't matter how good a person is or how bad a person is or, or, or anything, you know. Um, it can be good or bad for anybody. A lot of things went your way in the regular season. You weren't used that much, but the numbers were good in that two-month sample size. We can debate how much stock we put into a two-month sample size, right? But for those two months, August and September, you were really good. I mean, we can go sequentially here. We'll get to the playoffs. But for the regular season, like heading into that series against Toronto, am I nuts to think that, that you felt like you were you were rocking and rolling? Yeah, I mean, I, I felt good. Uh, I, I really don't put too much thought on, like I said, really on, on how I've been performing or, or anything. I, I just really just try to go out every day and – um, have the same mindset, but yeah, I mean, I was throwing well and a little IL stint, whatever, uh, and yeah, I just really was just trying to trying to get ready for the playoffs, and and I knew uh, I knew we were all going to throw a good amount <laughs> when uh, when that time came too. So, I mean, you threw not a good amount, Nick. Like you threw an absurd amount, right? Like as you look back at that, is it just is it nuts to comprehend how often? 
Kevin Cash called upon you in the playoffs? You know, it's it's tough because, yeah, I mean, I definitely felt like I threw a lot. Um, and, you know, I guess I did. It's tough, even me saying it right now, but I, I'd, it'd be rare for you to hear me not complain about it, but, like, just kind of talk about it and admit that, you know, like, hey, yeah, I've thrown a lot, you know, um, especially publicly. I, I don't know why I kind of have that, but maybe it's just to not show emotion or, or not to say something where it sounds like you're making an excuse for something, you know, because a lot of people take it that way. Um, and re reality, like, I've made enough mistakes in my life that it is what it is. I don't, I don't make excuses for why I did something or, you know, why something happened. So, but yeah, it's, uh, I mean, that's the Rays, that's kind of the Rays thing, you know. Uh, the pitchers throw a lot. So, you know, it, it's for me to be like, oh, yeah, I threw a lot versus, you know, everybody threw a lot. So it's, you know, for me to say something and it's just. I get it. It's a tough spot to be in. Now, for sake of what I do, like, I'm trying to analyze, like, your last seven postseason appearances, you gave up at least a run. Like, that to me is, like, so hard to comprehend. Like, because I know how filthy your stuff is. So, like, I'm just thinking, okay, he's either hurt or it's fatigue or, I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's some execution. But, gosh darn, he's so good at locating his pitches that I don't know if it's execution or is it just – Guess what? Aaron Judge is one hell of a player. Mookie Betts is one hell of a player, right? Corey Seager is one hell of a player that just in, in that realm, you faced some really good hitters on the Dodgers and the Yankees, and it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, you know, the, I really kind of say everything. I don't want to say everything comes full circle, but everything evens out. You know, it's hitters go 0 for 20, and then, you know, maybe they'll go 5 for 7. You know, every, everything kind of ends up e evening out. So, but, yeah, it's, I mean, it's the playoffs. You're facing stars. Um, everybody is good that you face. So, stuff happens, you know. Um, you brought up Seager. Like, I threw a good pitch, and he just hit it. You know, I don't know. I did get something maybe I was tipping, but, but regardless – I mean, it still is a it still was a good pitch. Um, so some sometimes things go your way, sometimes they don't. Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe the fatigue. I don't know. I it was yeah. I I went out no matter how my body was feeling, uh, whether it was fatigued or not. Um, I went out with the same mentality, and that's kind of like you know, I did what I could, and I was I gave my all, and it's kind of came up a little short and it uh that's that's part of baseball tipping the pitches is interesting it's fascinating to me like how do you think you were tipping your pitches if if it took place i mean there's no there's no for sure quantifiable evidence that you were but but you bringing that up what makes you think that the dodgers knew what was coming well just because i mean teams just have resources um or, you know, people hear things, I guess. And that was kind of something that floated around. But I don't know if it was true or not, you know. Um, 
I tried to make a little bit of an adjustment just in case. So, but I don't know. I don't put too much thought into that. I, like I said, I don't really like to make excuses for anything. So even I, I would like to be like, hey, here's a fastball, hit it. You know, uh, that's that's the way I think. So whether you know a fastball is coming or a fastball it isn't coming, um, doesn't really have a factor on on my thought process really. So. What was your mindset when, when you got called upon there in Game 6 of the World Series that that Blake was rolling? Heck, and even what was the team mindset heading into that game? Was there a thought, hey, we're winning Game 6? Heck, we're going to find a way to win the World Series? Yeah, I mean, shouldn't that be your thought process every time? Mm -hmm. I mean, every game you go out there thinking you're going to win or planning on winning um, and having the mindset like, oh, if I get called upon, I'm going to go out there and do my best and you know, try to do everything I can to help the team win. So, that, I mean, and that was my thought process. Um, pitchers have pitchers get pulled all the time, just certain situations or or not, whether they're rolling, whether they're not rolling. So, uh, in terms of in terms of like, was I surprised or anything? I, I, no, just so that's the way we roll. What was it like, just overall, just pitching on the biggest stage possible? Honestly, the whole the whole season and the whole playoffs was kind of just weird being in a bubble. Um, and I don't want to say it felt like a video game, or it, but the whole thing was just weird. And I'd say the World Series was probably a little more normal just because we had some fans. But with that being said, we just got done with 30 days of no fans and you know so it wasn't like you could just snap out of it um it, it just it just was weird but it at the same time i mean obviously it was awesome and to play in the new stadium uh globe life it, i mean it was definitely a good place um having some family there you know having some fans it, it definitely was fun and obvi obviously i wish it would have went the other way but um just the experience of being there for sure was was awesome what about just life in the bubble, even during the regular season? Just like, correct me if I'm wrong, if you wanted to go grab a coffee at Starbucks, like that was a process. You had to reach out to somebody and let them know that you're leaving your hotel room. And well, and that, uh, that, right? depe it just, that depended it on the all state. It was weird, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, all of it was. All of it was. And that depended on the state. In New York, we couldn't even leave the hotel. And most, I want to say, most places really were pretty much don't ask to go to Starbucks or didn't get coffee you know and you definitely couldn't go out and pick up food so it was the the freedoms of just being an adult you know weren't there and I don't want to put too much emphasis on that but that's kind of a professional athlete being an adult it's like hey if I want to go get coffee in the morning I want to go get coffee if I want to go get this for breakfast I want to go get this um, it was it was definitely it was definitely different, and I don't want to say it wasn't enjoyable. You know, we were still playing baseball, but a lot of the things that the perks or things that we're used to with playing the sport that you weren't allowed to do. You know, and and that's kind of that's the tough thing that I think really affects somebody's mental state. Um, is kind of when you can find them and, and take away their freedom, pretty much. I, well, what are some other examples? Like, <laughs> was the cold tub available? Was the hot tub available? So, 
Like, what would be your normal routine? Go back to 2019, whether pregame, postgame, your routine, and how did that change in 2020? Well, we could only be at the field for so long. So usually, you know, you get to the field two hours before stretch. I think it was only an hour or two and a half hours before stretch. You know, you could, you could get there whenever. You could get there at 9 a.m. if you wanted to for a 6.30 game. And, but it was, it was five, well, this is what it was. I think it was five hours before first pitch or before the game time was, I think, the time limit of when the earliest you could get there. Um, so you had less time to do stuff before you got there. You couldn't get there and just chill. The cafeteria wasn't open. They're like, I mean, we still had like food and some snacks, but not like normal. Um, so like everything was really different. And then post game, you had to be, we had to be out of the field. I think it was an hour, hour after the game. We were supposed to leave. Um, so normally, say I get done throwing, I like to go in, do a little bit of running, work out, do some arm care, maybe get a little like five minute arm flush, and then you know, and then I'm out. But usually it's like an it's an hour and a half at least. So it was everybody's routine was was messed up because of this. Um, but yeah, I mean, just in the morning, you know, getting up, waking up at a different time, not having to do saliva testing. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it just from the moment you woke up to pretty much, I mean, the whole day, everything was everything was different. Yeah, I mean, how about just the uneasiness of of the testing, right? Just, I mean, you think you don't have it, but and who knows? Like, you could test positive and be asymptomatic, but if you're positive, you know that that you're out for. I don't remember what it was, but that you'd be out for X amount of games. But just how about the uneasiness of of all the COVID testing? And just waiting for the results. Yeah, I think that in the beginning, everybody was like, you know, kind of you're kind of feeling it out. Um, and then, but once we kind of got into it, and then it was just it was just kind of normal routine. And and I think something everybody, all the guys on the team, and I know all the staff and everybody, uh, it's just a good team. It's a group of good people. And I know that we were all, nobody wanted to be that guy to ruin it for everybody else. You know, to go out and get it and then spread it to the team and then we don't play for two weeks. Um, nobody wanted to be that person. So I felt pretty comfortable every day going and, and I think I, I, pretty much I speak for everybody that it's, everybody felt pretty good going, going to the field every day, taking a slab of test because honestly, well, really, I mean, unless you snuck out of the hotel, <laughs> not, it would be pretty tough to, to get out and, and do anything anyways. But Well, or could you sneak somebody in? Honestly, I didn't, even, I didn't, even, I didn't even check the bill. I didn't even like, check you know, the bill right? to if see if I could have snuck somebody in. The hotel, like, could you do that? Or, or was somebody policing that and, and you literally couldn't have any guests in your hotel room? Yeah, I definitely, I want to say the building was locked pretty much. So um, I want to say there's people, I, I don't want to say policing, but, um, you know, I'm sure there was somebody at the front desk and saw somebody come in. They'd be like, hey, what are you doing? You know, um, I don't know. Maybe there's a way around it. I never, I didn't, I didn't bother with figuring 
figuring any of that out. I mean, probably same situation where you don't want to be the one that potentially ruins it for everybody else. Yeah, exactly. You know, so not only is there self-accountability, there's team-wide accountability. Right. I, I wasn't, and that, and that's really, so back to the question of, of you know, the hassle, or, you know, the uncertainty of the testing, it, it was, I, th I think everybody honestly felt pretty good. Uh, and they were like, well, we're not even doing anything to how we could get it. So it was, that just kind of turned into uh, getting up at 10 a.m. and going and testing or, or, or whatever, you know. Do you feel fully entrenched now? Like I think about you joined the Rays at the trade deadline the year before. The craziness, the atypicalness of, of this year. So like you truly haven't had a full season with the Rays, but you certainly have performed enough for the Rays. Like, do you feel like you're fully entrenched as a member of, of the Rays organization? Yeah, absolutely. Um, they do they do a great job of welcoming you in and making you feel at home. Um, everybody that comes in, it's just like, hey, come in, be yourself, do what you do, and you know, we're glad to have you. Um, they they definitely make it known that you know they wouldn't sign somebody or pick somebody if if they didn't think they had good stuff and they could be a huge member of the team. And I think that, that right there alone makes everybody like, oh, all right, can relax, you know? Like, I, I don't have to come in and do something crazy. Uh, the, they've already seen what I can do and, and they believe in you. And they, they, do a, they do an awesome job with that. So, no, I mean, I, I love everybody with the Rays and uh, Team A staff up and, up and down the system. I mean, everybody's awesome. Do you feel like the core that you guys have in place, inevitably there's going to be changes. We've already seen it with, with Morton signing elsewhere. You know, the Rays could have kept him, let him hit free agency. He signs with Atlanta, you know, non-tendering guys like, like Renfro. But do you feel like the core is in place for you guys to make another nice run in, in 2021? Yeah, I don't see why not. I don't see why not. Um, I mean, there's, there's a bunch of talent around. Um, Everybody loves to play, and everybody plays hard. And uh, you know, I'm sure we're still gonna. I'm sure we're gonna be picking a couple people up. You know, they're they're always doing something. Uh, they got something working. So it. Uh, yeah, honestly, I don't, I don't see why not. I mean, going like two years ago to this last year, and you know, we'll, we'll see what happens this year. You ever seen anything like the show that a Rose Arena put on? Like. I'll be frank, Nick, and you know it. I I follow the game pretty closely. Yeah, you probably follow the game better than I do. Like I knew the <laughs> name, but I didn't like know really much about him. And then all of a sudden, that run he went on in the postseason, like historic, like up there with the Mantles and the Garrigs and the Mays, and you name the all-time greats. Like that show he put on in the month of October is going to live on for forever. It's unbelievable. I mean, he put the team on his back, honestly. I, it was just, so we, we played a little game in the bullpen of throwing hats um, and just like calling home runs. And uh, may, maybe there was supposed to be a, a wager on it. Maybe there wasn't. <laughs> um, and it was just, um, everybody, every time he came up, it was like, it was hard not to throw your hat. The, honestly. So what you're saying is the pot wasn't very big when, when he was batting. <laughs> Everybody was in. Or the pot was really big, depending on how, how you guys did it. But, yeah, I mean, 
yeah, I mean, every time he stepped in the batter's box, there was this thought that, that here comes a home run. Yeah. I mean, the confidence that he had is obviously is unbelievable, and he was just he was feeling himself. And like you said, it was I mean, that's history. Uh, it's it's unbelievable. I mean, it's like a cheat code on a video game. You know, I'm sure the pitchers were like, we don't even know what to do. What do we do anymore? You know, It'll walk him. It was like somehow you try to walk him, and he'd find a way to hit it. I mean, it was like Bonds, and you know. 0102 where yeah oftentimes it was just take your first base we're not going to roll the dice and and give you a chance to to hit an extra base hit or you know hit it over the fence i mean like did you see any signs though like as you guys are preparing for the season you've got july camp at the trop like or early season like did you see any signs that even anything close to that could could take place i mean he looked good in spring training Originally, um, or yeah, and, even back to February, so, early yeah, March. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, but we're not, we don't have anything to do with, with who makes team and and whatever. You know, that that's not on, that doesn't have anything to do with us. So, but yeah, we were just, I mean, look good and he's athletic, got talent, and I mean, swings the bat hard. So, uh, we were all obviously when he got called up, and we were all. We were all happy, you know. Um, then to see what he did, it was it was pretty unbelievable. What's your level of confidence that we'll have a relatively smooth and full 2021 season? I can't. I don't. I don't even know if I can say anything on that. Um, who knows, really? I, I would think that you know what we did this last season. And then playoffs, and I'd say everything went pretty smooth. There was a couple hiccups during the season, but um, I would think that we would. And, I mean, there's there's certainly progress on, on the vaccine front, how readily available it'll be February, March into April remains to be seen, but, but they certainly are making really good progress on, on a vaccine. You know, I mean, I guess the hope would be hopefully you guys can play 162 games. I'm curious to see what's going to happen with the whole vaccine situation, too. Um, if they can require somebody to get it, you know, who's going to get it, who's not going to get it. Um, you know, I've heard some things about it. I don't know. I don't know if I'll partake. You know, I've so, heard the same so, thing. So, so yeah, no, it, it's yeah. like, um, you know, where is that going to go? And I think that could maybe slow things down a little bit in terms of, you know, if we start a little bit late, whatever. Um, you know, I think they floated around the idea of maybe minor leaguers coming in a little bit after um, big leaguers and AAA or, or whatever. Um, so, I, you know, I, it's like, I don't know, really anything could happen. Uh, I just don't see, obviously, all the owners want to play what we did in agreement with, you know, this last season, like, through the heart of the pandemic, um, you know, I, it's, I don't see why we wouldn't play. You know, it was, yeah. I mean, are you preparing as if, with your off-season routine, that that you need to start ramping up? I mean, really, when you get to spring training, which would normally be what, like mid to late February, 
you know, Grapefruit League games in early March and then opening day late March? I mean, is is that your mindset that you need to prepare as if that will take place? Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. Uh, it's better off to be ready early than, than late. So I'm going to prepare, yeah, as, as a normal season. And I think, you know, a couple of the guys I've talked to, that we're all doing the same thing. So, and something happens that I mean that was the thing during during quarantine too you know when we were trying to figure out if we we're gonna have a season or not and it was like trying to stay ready without the normal resources that you have and then not even knowing when you're gonna get ready for um, but in in terms of this I, I think everybody's probably pretty confident with what we did this last season um, and the way the playoffs went that that we'll start up normal time. And I have to imagine harder for a pitcher than a hitter. Now maybe harder for a starting pitcher compared to a reliever, but but that that rocky time of May, June, you know, just that uncertainty, I would imagine as a pitcher, like that balancing act of, okay, can I even find someone to throw to, find somewhere to throw? And how often do I throw? Like, how, how challenging was that? Yeah, well, and that was, I mean, I was playing with the, I was playing catch with the fence for a little while, or with the net. Um, so, I mean, that, that was, yeah, and then not having a weight room, just kind of, just all of it combined, really, um, was just, it was just wild. And, you know, hopefully there's never another season like that. <laughs> I don't think anybody would give thumbs up for another season like that, so. Um, it was uh, it was interesting. It was an experience, and uh, it's been nice to after the season kind of have a little bit of relaxation, a little bit of freedom back, and uh, get back to Florida and get back at it now. You're 30 years old now. Yeah. Is it just crazy to think? Just think about your 20s, that decade. Just everything. Ups and downs. Yeah, just everything with with 2020 is the cherry on top. Yeah, it's. I think that's what makes life so crazy and, and amazing. Um, you know, one year things could not go your way at all, and then the next year you could just skyrocket and be on the mountaintop. Um, life's just filled with a bunch of ups and downs, and, and I think that's what makes it so amazing. What do you think about the system for players? I don't know what you're willing to offer up, but like, and hey, kudos to Trevor May great person he hit free agency at the right time the velo kept going up two years 15 million right that's a really nice contract for a reliever i don't think he'll close there maybe he will but let's say he's he's a middle middle inning guy you know seventh eighth inning type seven seven five a year is really good money like your numbers would suggest you're worth more than that yet the system says you can't even make anywhere close to that yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know, we agreed upon it. You know, it's a CBA, so. And I suppose you're not playing for money anyway, right? Like, you love the game so much, you were pitching for Tri-City Shark. So, sure, you know, I'm sure you want some money to be able to live just a, a relatively comfortable life, but whether you're making $8 million a year or $800,000 a year, in some ways it's all relative. Yeah, in some ways, for sure. Um, you know, obviously, being in the big leagues, it's 
you spend more money just because you know we got to tip people and 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 whatnot. So um, obviously the money's part of it. Yeah. We, so money's definitely a factor. Uh, but it's you're not going out being like, oh, I need to do good because you know I'm making five grand today. Yeah. You know that thought process isn't there. Uh, so. It's just part of it, though, I guess. Putting put in your time the way that the whole CBA is set up. and. But is that the issue, that, that it takes so long just to get to that first year of arbitration, then it takes that much longer just to get to outright free agency? Yeah. So, again, I bring up Trevor May. He, he paid his dues, right? I mean, he went through that whole rigmarole of arbitration multiple times, finally got to this point of being an unrestricted free agent. But I just wonder if the whole system needs needs a reboot. And I mean, you're one of those prime examples of a guy that that doesn't have a lot of service time per se, but the numbers are are fantastic. That that you're worth more than the system allows any team to pay you. Yeah, um, I, I think it would. I don't. You know, we've had this talk in the bullpen, and I've had this talk with guys that have been around longer than I have, um, or been in the big leagues longer. And uh, everybody kind of has a different perspective and, and thought process um, and the way that I guess they, I don't know, just kind of look at it all. Um, and the whole salary cap and, and um, it's, it, there's so many factors in what, you know, if you have this, it'll do this. And, you know, it kind of goes all over. And, and honestly, I kind of get all of it. It, uh, I'm not gonna go into too much detail, but or any specifics. So it, it's just it'll be interesting to find out to see what happens after this next year. Um, and, and I know you know maybe maybe going two years, and then going in your first year of arbitration, you know. So then and then three years of arb, and then so after five years, you're a free agent. You know, something like that. Even cutting a year out, um, I think it would. Because I mean, how how many people actually have, you know, five plus year careers that are stellar every year? Correct. And there are many guys that get to that third year of arbitration, and the number gets so high. Like yesterday was the non-tender deadline. Look at all the guys that were non-tendered. Now, not all of them were in their third year of arbitration. A guy like Eddie Rosario locally was, but. But a lot of guys, the number just keeps going up and up that it just it makes sense for teams to say, yeah, we'll, we'll cut the cord. So why not just allow those guys? I wouldn't be opposed to that after five years compared to six and after two years of arbitration, then you become an unrestricted free agent. But I just think there's just so many things, Nick. Like how weird is it for, I don't know if there's anybody specifically with your team, but like Nelson Cruz locally. We don't know. It's December now. We don't know if the National League is going to have the DH in 2021. We think. But, like, there's, there's so many things about your sport that just drive me crazy. Like, how would they not have that figured out by now? That's a great question. Yeah, I, That's a great question. Some things aren't figured out very quickly. But why is it your sport? Like, the NBA figures stuff out. Why can't Major League Baseball figure stuff out? So, I think... And... This is just a th theory, or um, I, I don't really know, but because the owners, I think in every other sport, have more leverage because they have a salary cap. 
They do. Correct me if I'm wrong, yeah, right? Yeah, they do. Yeah. So Calor, they, NFL, they, NHL, they can yeah. propose things or put things into action way easier than the MLB. Well, do you think the Players Association would be opposed to a, to a salary cap? Yeah, they already said they would be. <laughs> well, but there's got to be some give and take, right? If the owners are giving you the opportunity to get the free agency that much sooner, there has to be, right? I mean, it's a negotiation, some give and take. So maybe a salary cap in Major League Baseball makes sense. And I think that's what takes so long when things are discussed or they're trying to figure something out is because, I mean, there's so many different loopholes and, you know, all that fine print in a contract. Do you read that when you sign a contract? No, no. Does any, you know, there are a very small percentage of people read that fine print. And that's where things can get screwed up. So, you know, and that's what... Sometimes I'm like, man, can we just figure this out? Can we hurry up? But, you know, it's a lot of legal negotiations. So, And players in different boats. Like, you can think one way with, with the service time you have, exactly. but somebody like, you know, George Springer, you know, somebody of that ilk mm -hmm. can have a completely different thought, right, just based on the service time that individual has. And, you know, when, when he's reaching free agency that much sooner, where he's like, salary cap are you kidding me right, <laughs> you know um and you know and that's where i think in in a majority for a majority of the players you know a salary cap would be good because it could be evened out you know the lower guys could make a little more money but then it's like well do you not plan on you know hopefully playing for five six years you know or even through arbitration would arbitration numbers change then you know and it's it's like, well, all right, say you play six years and you hit free agency and, and, you know, you've done good and then you could sign a contract for, you know, whatever, Trevor May, you know, two years, 15 million. It's like, all right, so then you think about it and you're like, well, I make it through six years, say there's a salary cap and now I sign a two-year, a four million, you know? It's like because they could find a bunch of younger guys or whatever. So th there's so much thought that goes down, goes into it, really, and trying to look down the road. And, and that's where I think talking to other players and teammates about stuff and, and hearing their perspective or point of view is good. I know it changed, uh, it changed my thought a little bit on the whole thing, for sure, talking to other guys that have been in arbitration. Um, that, that's, where it, that's where it's tough. And I, I think that, and that's what, is a big thing with having a good union, you know, or head of the union uh, to f figure all this stuff out and, and what, what works best for everybody, you know. Um, obviously, there's got to be a little give and take, but even, even on that, you know, say there's a salary cap and it benefits the younger guys more, but then it's like, well, what are the younger guys giving up? You know, the younger guys are going to benefit while the older guys are losing out like how's that fair <laughs> there's just so much so trying to figure out something where everybody kind of gives a little bit but everybody gains that's tough that's tough and so i that's where i can see how things take a while i'll leave you with this so you pitched in rochester new york it's not, not official yet. oh yeah 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 it's right. not official yet? Well, it's not official yet, but 
that the Twins AAA affiliate is coming to St. Paul. Yeah, I just heard about that last CHS Field. Yeah, I mean, the official announcement is, is coming before the month is over, but it's it's happening as as you saw. It's it's out there everywhere. It's yeah, yeah. it's happening. Their double A will be in Wichita, Kansas now, so double A and triple A are are changing. Cedar Rapids and Fort Myers will still be the A affiliates, but they're swapping too. Who's high A, who's low A. So I mean minor league baseball is going through all all sorts of changes. But specifically on on the Twins AAA leaving Rochester, New York, since you're familiar with Rochester, New York, and just the idea of, of now AAA coming here to the Twin Cities, just what, what comes to mind? I think it's super awesome for the organization um, and, and the guys, too. Um, you know, Rochester's cool, but St. Paul and Minneapolis is better. <laughs> So, uh, I think just for the guys playing um, and then obviously going up and down in the way that the game has moved with so many moves uh, in that direction that it, it just it makes sense. Uh, yeah, I think it makes sense for every team to have their AAA be, you know, within an hour or at least a couple hours or something. Uh, just because of how many people go up and down and injuries and, and, and all that. So I think it, it'll be good. I was blown away. I mean, obviously the Saints have been here forever. I don't even, I don't even know how many years it's been. 30? 30, give or take. I mean, Leon Durham way back in the day and Daryl Strawberry and J.D. Drew. I mean, that was early 90s, wasn't it? Or mid-90s at least. Yeah, 25-ish years. Yeah. I mean, for Midway Stadium. All, all Remember time, Midway? That's what I've never been to Midway. I've never, never been. Really? No, I've never been to Midway. Well, I mean, I've heard about it. Yeah, I mean, a lot the of people dump have talked about it. A lot of people have talked about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it fill up fans. Yeah. I, like, so, um, so I was really surprised, and then I was like, well, where are the Saints going? Are they not? Is the American Association not? There's still a lot of unanswered questions. Like, I think about, like, the Saints manager right now is my buddy, George Samus. George pitched for the Twins way back when for a little bit. He's been managing the Saints forever. He's been their manager for, I don't know, 17, 18 years, give or take. Yeah. Yeah. But the Twins will have their own AAA manager, so what does that mean for my guy George, right? I mean, a lot of the players, I think, only signed one-year deal, so it's not like they're under contract for 2021. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, those guys will just find jobs elsewhere in the American Association. Presumably that, that league is not folding. That league will still exist. It'll just be in different cities. No, that's okay. okay. You know, but yeah. I mean, I actually tried to play for the Saints in 2014 when I didn't play anywhere. Really? <laughs> yeah. Was that the Tri-City Shark year? Yeah. 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 And George told you no? Uh, yeah, I, I had a buddy reach out to George who played with the Saints. Um, yeah, and I, I don't know. I just ended up. Oh, was that your buddy Brent? Yeah. 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 Um, one of the great saints so, of all time. One of the great saints of all time. And so yeah. he couldn't get yeah. you a job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not yeah. like a nobody reached so, out on your behalf. Yeah, I, I know, I know. I was like, Brent, come on. I thought you had more pull than this. Exactly. That's what the heck? <laughs> no, but it. Uh, so then I was curious, who are they going to stay in uh, the IL, the International League? That I is it? So don't then, no, no. I imagine there has to be some sort of reconfiguration. Uh, right? right. Yeah, and they're obviously going to have to fly most places right because the think. busing i mean we're kind of in the there's not a whole lot of no i would think yeah yeah so i mean yeah because in rochester you're able to bus to enough games right 
Yeah, in Rochester we bust a lot. Uh, yeah, we only had a couple. So couple that's another. Flights. Yeah, I mean, that's more money than if if you're flying. Are you flying commercial or are you? Yeah, it'd be commercial. Are you chartering? No, it'd flights? be it'd be commercial. Triple A is all commercial. All right, but still, there's there's a cost involved with that. Is there a couple teams in the PCL that charter flights? I don't know. You would know better than I would. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of questions like that. I mean, heck, is a TV and radio guy, right? I'm curious about the media rights. Will they look for a local TV contract? Wouldn't it make some sense? Yeah. Especially if the Twins' top prospects, guys like Royce Lewis, are playing over at CHS Field. Wouldn't it make sense to broadcast those games in the Twin Cities market? You'd think. So, I mean, that's something I'm curious about. Right. So, I mean, there's a bunch of There's a bunch of stuff of that's got to figure out. It costs $20 yeah. million dollars to join organized ball, to go from unaffiliated to affiliated. Okay, so... I can tell you, the Saints have a good thing going. They're not cutting that check for $20 million. Why would the Saints cut a check for $20 million? Because oh, yeah. they're making money already. Maybe not a ton, but they're making money as is in the American Association. Yeah. Why would they cut the check? So are the Twins cutting that full check? Are they splitting it? But where exactly is that $20 yeah, million that dollars 20 coming, million from? coming from? I yeah. just tell you, it's not coming all from the Saints. Maybe the Saints uh, chip in a little bit. But may, yeah, maybe. There's, there's but a that, bunch of questions. But then they had to, I mean, the owner of the Saints had to get a check. They had to get bought out. That's what I'm right. saying. There's, just, so, there, there's, a, there, there's a million questions, but bottom line, we know what's happening. We know yeah. Yeah. that the Twins, I don't even know, are they going to be called the Saints? Will it be the well, Yeah. The Minnesota Saints, The still the St. Paul Saints? St. Paul the Red Twins Wings? Triple A affiliate? I, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you tell me. Well, Rochester still is going to have a team. I think they now have, is it the Nationals AAA? It doesn't matter oh, it really? Rochester so New York is still going to have a team. They are. Okay. It's going to be somebody else's AAA team. Okay. Which makes sense, right? The field there, just the setup there. They should have some AAA team. It's just it's not going to be the Minnesota Twins AAA team. But, yeah, there's just there's a bunch of stuff. But the overall just idea of AAA baseball in St. Paul, sign me up. Yeah. I don't see. I think it's a good. Yeah, I, I know. I've said it a lot. My friends have said it around. Like a lot of the baseball guys around the cities have said it a lot. You know, it's like, well, why don't? Why doesn't the AAA team just play in St. Paul or around the area? Anyways, you know, anywhere. So we've been saying it for a while. My good buddy, Rays reliever Nick Anderson. So again, to reiterate, in case you're joining the podcast at this particular moment, Nick came into studio late last week. So since then, I've been able to answer some of my own questions. Yes, the Twins will pursue a local TV contract, whether it's with Fox Sports North, Channel 45. The goal is to have some of these AAA games, the ones in town in particular, on local television. On his buddy Brent, that's Brent Krause, one of the all-time great sluggers in Saints history. That is interesting that Nick tried to pitch for the Saints back in 2014. I can tell you that the investment that the Twins are making in the Saints, so the Twins now have a partial ownership stake in the Saints, is less than $20 million. The number I had heard was $10 million. The buzz is the AAA team will remain in the International League. So that is the buzz right now, International League, for the St. Saint Paul Saints. And all appearances are all... Senses point to the team remaining the St. Paul Saints. It won't be the Minnesota Saints or anything like that. It'll be the St. Paul Saints, the new AAA home of the Minnesota Twins. I also brought up my buddy George Samus in that conversation with Nick earlier today. I caught up with George. I can tell you that if George wants 
the Saints are willing to keep him on board in off-the-field position. They would create, in essence, a position for George off the field. He will not be involved on the field if he remains with the Saints organization. The Twins will bring in their own staff. Toby Gardenhire was supposed to be the AAA manager this year. Presumably, Toby will be the Saints manager. He will get a chance to manage at the AAA level. The Twins have their own staff. They will bring in their own staff. George Samus will not be a part of that. So if George wants to work on the field, he will have to pursue a different managerial gig, or a pitching coach gig, but if he wants to remain with the Saints organization, they will offer him a position. So George is in the thinking phase of of where things are at. So I went down that path to an extent with George, but more it was just about his emotions, what he's thinking right now with the news that he is no longer the Saints manager. So here's my conversation from earlier today with George Samus. George, why don't you just take us, let's start with just your overall emotions. I mean, it's something that had been rumored for a while, but as of, you know, Wednesday, it's it's now official that that the Saints are no longer, you know, an independent team, right? It's no longer independent baseball. It's now affiliated baseball. And, you know, the franchise that you've poured your heart and soul out for, for, for you know, multiple decades, uh, now will be the AAA affiliate of the Twins. Just take us through your thoughts. Yeah, well, first, I mean, I loved my 18 years with the Saints. Um, they're great people to work for. They're a great organization, and and Derek Sherr and his staff are outstanding. And they're gonna. The, the Twins are partnering with great people, and um, it's gonna be a great thing for the Saints, the Twins, the the fans of St. Paul, the city of St. Paul. It's gonna be a great thing, and you know, I'm happy for all of them. And um, it's um, you know. Hopefully um, they can get fans, you know, by the time the season starts or at some point in the summer, they can get the fans back in the stands there because a, a packed CHS field is its an outstanding place to be in the summer. How about just your individual situation, George? I mean, multiple championships. Like when I think of the St. Paul Saints, it's you. Like in many ways, you are the face of the franchise. And obviously the Twins have, have their own staff. I mean, you know, if the Twins were planning to be in Rochester, New York, for example, where they've been since 2002, if, if they were planning to be there, they have their own staff. They have their own AAA manager. So it's not, unfortunately, going to be you. So how about just your own individual situation? Yeah, well, it's um, it's tough. And, uh, you know, obviously it's being in a place for 18 years in a great place working for great people. Yeah, it's tough. And, uh, and whoever the Twins decide to bring in, you know, in the coaching staff, I'm sure they're going to pick the right person, and it'll be a, um, it'll be a good fit there, and they'll do a great job there. And um, again, it's, yeah, it's tough. Going to miss it, and um, again, that stadium, being in that stadium is, you know, for all the years that we've been there, you know, when I was recruiting players, I would, I would tell them this, something I've told these players that. Unless you get to the big leagues, you'll never play in a nicer place. And I really meant that. And now these AAA players are going to come in there. They're going to find out what a great situation they're in and um, in front of those fans. The fans are great and um, the organization's great. And, and Marv Goldklang and Mike Vack, Bill Murray, and Tom Whaley, they've been great to me over the years. And um, I'll definitely miss them. And, um, Again, I'll miss being I'll miss being in that dugout. How about just the transition? I mean, we've talked about this before, George, but how proud are you to have helped lead that transition from Midway Stadium 
To your right, the Taj Mahal of, of minor league ballpark, CHS Field. Yeah, it's a, you know, first Midway, you know, obviously it was older, um, but I, I enjoyed the time at Midway, too. Mm-hmm. The fans there, too, they they were into the games there. They were over 6,000 people, whatever it was, and um, I liked it there. And, um, you know, there have been some good teams over the years, some great moments over the years, and then obviously moving into CHS, it's it's been a really um, a nice run there. And, again, 18 years staying in the same spot at in any sport, um, it's tough to do, and I was fortunate enough to be able to do that. What's been the dialogue like? I mean, you laid out, you know, Marv and, and Mike and, and Whaley and, and Bill Murray and certainly Derek Scher. Uh What's been the dialogue like with, with those individuals? They're, um, they're great people, and um, you know, I spoke to them, and it's, um, I mean, it was, there were some tough conversations, obviously. It's, it's, um, it's a great decision for them, you know, what they're doing with the Twins, and it's going to be great for everybody, and people are going to find out how great it's going to be. And and the Saints staff, um, they care about the fans, and they want to make sure the fans have fun at the games, and it's not going to stop. They do a great job there, and um, and it's just tremendous people. The people, the Saints organization, they are tremendous people, and um and the twins are—they're going to find that out how, how great they are to work with. Did you ever think we would get to this point? Like, if I had told you a year ago that one year later, this partnership would be happening, like, what would you have told me? Yeah, you know, it's—I don't know because we had just won the championship in 2019 and mm-hmm. um, coming off a great year, and then obviously the COVID happened, and then you know, obviously this with the twins is—it's um, been a really. Um, been a really different year and um, some bad memories obviously with COVID has affected so many people and it's just it's tough for everyone and um, but we were um, able to play some games last season and obviously we started on the road but then we got back to last month and and still even being there that last month was 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 great to be there and um, people are going to find out when they're um over 8,000, 8,500 people there in that stadium. Whenever they're allowed to go back, they're going to be there. Their fans are going to be into it. They're going to be loud, and they are great fans. And, um, you know, it's it's going to be a great thing for the city of St. Paul to have, to have the Twins AAA team there. And it, does it really get any better than that anywhere to have your AAA team 10, 15 minutes away from, from the big league stadium? It's it's a great thing for everybody there involved in um in the Twin Cities. I mean, do you think that that atmosphere, though, the you know the shenanigans between innings, the the whoopee cushions, the the massages from the nuns, like, do you think you know, like, some of those things can continue? The the motto, "fun is good," you know, like, I know there are some people, George, as great as it is, don't get me wrong, and everything you you said, I wouldn't debate it, but but there are people that that. You know, just they they took to just loving you know the independent nature, you know that that yeah. you guys were were always different, and now you join affiliated baseball, and it's almost like you're you're joining the the good boys club. You know what? One hundred percent, it'll continue there what they do between innings, and it is great what they be, do between innings, and um, <laughs> you know, there's times um. Maybe you're having a rough game, a bad game, and then you look to see what something is going on there between innings, and it makes you laugh. And <laughs> um, and you know what? And Lee, 
Lee Adams and, and Nicholas, they do a great job, man. They, they do a great job getting the fans involved, and um, they've made me laugh during the games, and Chef and Coach and all the others are, it's just a great, it's a great night out. Go spend three hours at the stadium and watch good baseball and laugh, and um, that is going to continue, and you're going to find yourself at a game no matter um if it's 15 to nothing or 1 to nothing or 5 to 4, you're going to be laughing on what's going on between innings. And and it should always stay that way. How much has your phone blown up, in particular the last you know 12 to 24 hours? I mean, a lot of people just you know reaching out via text or, or phone call? A bunch, yeah. And I'm thankful to everybody that's reached out and, um, you know, with some kind words. And, um, you know, it's, it's it's been a pretty busy couple of days here in um, – and again, I'm thankful for everybody and thankful for the fans and other managers and players and players who haven't played for me for a while that have reached out. And it's um, it's nice to hear from all of them. And, um, you know, so it's it's, just a, it's been a crazy um, it's been a crazy year. This is something that obviously everything that's gone on this year is something that we never expected. No, and it's just it's such a weird way, George, to, to end. Right. Like. I'd almost say, as weird as this sounds, like being fired, like maybe you could accept that, that, that you would look at the results on the field, you know, if, if you guys were failing on the field and say, okay, I understand why, why I won't be able to maintain this job that, that I so passionately love, but like this is such a weird way to, to end up losing your job. Yeah, you're, you know what, the way you just said it, the way you put it was um, exactly it. It's, this has never happened before, and... Um, at least that I'm aware of, and obviously it happened with us and in Sugarland and the Atlantic League and Somerset and the Atlantic League, and it all happened the same year. And this is just something that um, it's just something that's never really happened before. And it's again, it's again, I'm happy for everybody, but it it hurts that I'm not going to be there. And um, you know, it's there's some great memories there, and and I'm sure you had some when you brought your son out that one day and get to throw BP to him and throw him some pop-ups and um like to do that i love to do those things for for kids and um and i hope it i hope it made their days i mean you were always as as good as it gets george i have no doubt that you'll continue to be as good as it gets i mean with all your connections i mean any doubt in your mind that you are going to work for for some baseball organization this this next baseball season yeah we'll see what happens here um i hope to um know what's going to happen here in the next um couple of weeks here um we will see and um again i'll never forget my time managing the saint paul saints i mean how lucky is that to be the manager of the saint paul saints and i and i got to do it for for 18 years are you comfortable if if some organization extends you a pitching coach job or or after being a manager for so long do you have to be a manager um i'm open to listening to anything um i love I love being on the field as a manager. I would, I would just say that. But, and just the way you're talking, George, is it safe for me to think that there's already been some feelers out there that, that you think you might have some clarity here pretty quick? Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll, um, I hope so, because this is, um, <laughs> you know, when you just want to know what's going to happen, you just, I hope something happens pretty quick here one way or another, whatever route I choose to go, I hope it happens um, pretty quick because, um, it's, um, again, it's been a, 
it's been a tough, as happy as I am for everybody, it's just, it's been a tough time, you know, knowing that I'm not going to be managing the Saints. I'll leave you with this. I mean, what is it, 18 years, George, that, that you sent here? That, that Can you look at it and say, 18. that is one hell of a run, that, that not many people are fortunate to be with the same organization for that many years, that oftentimes it's, it's, a, it's a way shorter shelf life that you can reflect and say, that was one hell of an 18-year run in St. Paul? Absolutely. It's um, to be in one place for so long, um, and you can look around any of the sports, and um, you, you don't see that very often where somebody lasts so long and, um, in one spot and fortunate enough to be there um, for 18 years. We made it to the championship six times and won two of them, and I wish there were a couple more in there, but um, we always try to do um, you know, the best I could to try to bring championships to St. Paul and and the thing is, one thing about that job, you always tried to do what was best for the player and always tried to, um, if a team came calling, you wanted to get them signed with a major league club because that's why they were playing. And, and Caleb Thielbar and um, Brandon Kinsler are two perfect stories of what this league was all about. And, and Caleb Thielbar played for us for three years and he got signed um, after all three years. So mm-hmm. that just tells you that this league is successful and, and look at him now, he's I see the Twins just resigned him. He had a good year and um, this past season, and that's what the league's all about: giving guys um, a chance to play until somebody came coming. That, but they had to earn it, and, and Caleb Thibar earned it, Brandon Kinsler earned it, and plenty of other guys did. Yeah, and it's not even just about making it to the majors, right? I mean, just how about a number of guys who who got signed off off your roster that that ended up, you know, whether it was Double A, Triple A, but at least were were given an opportunity to get all the way to the big leagues. 100%. And just because guys are playing in the American Association, that doesn't mean they can't play. Um, you could be playing with us one day, and the next day you could be in AAA. Next day you could be in AA. That's what the league's all about, and it happens, and it happens a lot. And, I mean, over all the years that I was there, I mean, there were many players that got signed and went to AA the next day or went to AAA. And um, so it's, I'm happy about that, that I always try to do what was right for the player to get him back with a major league club. George, I know I speak for many when I say continue to kick butt. I have, I have no doubt in my mind that wherever you land you know, next season that, that you will kick some serious butt, and I wish you nothing but the best. Okay, thank you so much for the call, okay? Selfishly, I would love to see George take the Saints up on their offer of, of some sort of off-the-field opportunity, but I get it. He loves being on the field. He's in his early 50s. He still has a lot to give to the game of baseball, but like maybe helping out some sort of youth academy that ends up developing with this Twin Saints partnership. I mean, I can think of so many different ways that the Saints could utilize George. And if they want, you know, uh, they can they can come up with all sorts of different ideas and they will give George that opportunity. So it's now on George. I mean, George will will presumably have some options. So does he want to move to a different city for the summertime? Home base is out east, but does he want to move to a different city in the summertime, get acclimated all over again? Or because he has such great relationships with so many people in the Saints organization, does he take them up on on some sort of off-the-field opportunity? But I just know George just loves to be on the field, right? So if he has a chance to manage somewhere, 
you know, heck, I, I would wish him all the best in, in that regard. But selfishly, I'd love to be able to go to, over to CHS Field and see George still on a regular basis. He treated Droogie like gold anytime we wanted to go over there for BP and shag fly balls in the outfield. You know, Drew at seven, eight years old would do that, would hang out with the players. I helped broadcast Saints games back in 09 and 10. Anything I needed. I mean, that was a tough time in my life, especially before I got married, October of 09. I mean, George just laid out the red carpet. He would do anything for me. So, you know, I just, I hope everything works out. However, George wants it to work out. We will wrap up this podcast, this lengthy podcast with my conversation this week with former Gopher, the all-time leader in all-purpose yards in Gophers football history. He is now a member of the Carolina Panthers. He gets legit carries each and every Sunday going back to November 15th. Played against the Vikings a couple Sundays ago. Looks like Christian McCaffrey is out again this Sunday. So Rodney Smith should get some more carries this Sunday. I don't even know who Carolina's playing. I don't have the schedule in front of me. It doesn't matter. Rodney Smith is getting legit carries with the Carolina Panthers. He is fulfilling his NFL dream. Here's my conversation from earlier this week with Rodney Smith. Rodney, let's just start with, it's been a fun three weeks. Take me back to November 15th, your NFL debut. It was what, your first carry? Was it a six-yard carry right up against Antoine Winfield Jr.? Yep, yes, sir, yes, sir. Uh, definitely was fun. Uh, you know, it's been a tough year for everybody. Um, and, you know, I, I didn't didn't know if I would play any football games this year. Uh, so just having the opportunity to get out there and playing the game, uh, and especially playing against some of my former teammates uh, in my first game in the NFL, was definitely fun and the experience I won't ever forget. What was that roller coaster like? So you're right. So you're in Carolina's preseason camp. They make the decision to let you go. I guess pick up the story from that point on. So from like early September – until mid-October when you rejoined the Panthers, signed to their practice squad, what were those like five, six weeks like? Yeah, uh, definitely uh, up and down time. Um, you know, I, not, not nobody knows it, uh, but when I reported uh, for training camp, I was uh, just getting over COVID. Um, so I was, of course, not in the best shape uh, and it affected me, uh, and I think that's ultimately why I came to where it came to. Uh, decided to let me go because I wasn't in shape for a training camp. Uh, just the best best way to put it. Um, and yeah, I went home. Uh, it, it was tough, you know, but I, I felt I was still confident that that someone would call me. Uh, I stayed optimistic, worked out. Um, and they called me back for a workout. Uh, and after the workout, they actually signed somebody else. And I guess I think somebody got COVID or somebody got injured. And they called me back again uh, to sign me to the practice squad. Um, and, you know, practice squad uh, is exactly what it says. You know, you're practicing. Uh, and for me, it was definitely something that I needed because I hadn't played football since January. Uh, didn't have a training camp, uh, so you know, came in and got acclimated, and someone else got injured, uh, and Christian got injured, uh, and they I ended up having to sign to the 
actual 53-man active roster. Um, so it's definitely been a, a, a up and down experience, but you know, uh, I was confident and optimistic the entire time. On COVID, Rodney, now that you brought that up, what was tougher, the physical toll or the mental toll dealing with that mental roller coaster of, I'm just not at 100% as I head into my first training camp? Is is a little bit of both. I think the physical is it was definitely tougher. Um, I I thought that I was all right. Uh, of course, I had got cleared, um, and it was still question marks about how it affected you, uh, even if you were uh, didn't didn't have any symptoms. Uh, so of course, when I got here, um, I struggled. Uh, I I couldn't pass the conditioning test. I was it got tired quick, um, and I didn't. I didn't realize it when I was at home, like before I came. Uh, but when I got here, it, it really—you could really see it. Uh, I had lost lost some weight, um, and even when they called me back for the workout, they they told me that I, I looked much better. Um, I was moving better. Uh, of course, I was in shape. Um, but I, I would I would definitely say the physical part. I think it has a even when you when you get over, I think it has effects on your body that that you might not realize. What was the conditioning test? I mean, Rodney, we remember you vividly here in Minnesota. You were always, I mean, heck, fourth quarter, you were being fed the ball. You know, you were you were nonstop, right? You were the energizer, buddy. You were always in peak shape, right? So. Like, what was the conditioning test? And, and you had to have known once you didn't pass that conditioning test, just the physical toll that, that COVID took on you. Yeah, uh, that's the thing. The conditioning test actually was very pretty easy. Um, it was, it might have been, it was only 2040s maybe. I don't even think it was that much. But after, after like the fourth one, I was, I was exhausted. Um, and we were the heart rate monitors, of course, and they they could see on the uh, on the tracker that my heart rate was through the roof uh, after a couple of reps. Uh, and they they came and told me that uh, it was too too high, and that they you know I, of course I tried to push through it, but they told me that you know they they recommended that I didn't didn't finish it, um, and yeah. Uh, they, they, like I said, they, it's, it's a business uh, and they have to protect themselves. Of course, if I'm not in shape to play football or can, can pass the conditioning test, you know, it's nothing personal. I just, you know, had to, had to get in shape. And that's what Coach Rule told me when, when, when they sent me home, you know, just go home and get in shape. Uh, they knew the circumstances, circumstance that I, that I was dealing with. Um, I had just recently got over it. Like I said, you could they could tell. Um, so, yeah, that, that definitely an interesting story. Take me back to that day in November when you found out whether it was like this via Zoom call or did Coach Rule call you to his office? Just take me back to that moment when you found out. Hey, guess what, Rodney? You're going from the practice squad to the active roster. Yeah. So, the Saturday practice before the game. Uh, they called me up after after practice. Um, went in and signed the papers. Uh, it was an exciting feeling. Uh, 
like I said, definitely something you dream about, uh, being on a 53-man active roster. Um, so, like I said, definitely an experience I won't forget. Um, and actually going in and playing is, is definitely something that, you know, you always are, you dream about, uh, you're excited about getting the opportunity, and it, it happened for me. How good of a situation is it there in Carolina? How good of an offense is Coach Rule's offense for your skill set? It's a, it's a great offense. Um, you no, know, you have both gap scheme and zone scheme runs. Um, use the bats in the passing game. Uh, so it, it's definitely a offense that highlights a lot of different skill sets for everyone on the offense. I feel like anybody that that's pretty versatile could come in and plug in it, plug in in the offense and, and, and contribute. Take me back to playing against the Vikings here in your adopted hometown of of the Twin Cities. How much fun was that? I mean, you were you were used a lot. I mean, you guys are trying to drain the clock there at the end. You had that pass on second down. I'm sure you're you're still kicking yourself for for not completing the the catch there, but you had a bunch of carries. You had a 13-yard run against yeah. the Vikings. Just how much fun was that Sunday? It was fun to come back up to Minnesota. Uh, of course, we wanted to win. Uh, but, yeah, it was fun. Uh, you know, being in the stadium, you know, I was there a lot to to watch, watch the Vikings, uh, you know, watch how they – prepare for games. Uh, so to actually be in the stadium uh, on the field and playing, it, it was fun despite not, you know, despite not having fans in the crowd, it, it was still fun to, you know, be back in the state of Minnesota. Uh, and like I said, the atmosphere of game day, you know, playing against those guys, it, it was an experience that I never forget because, you know, Minnesota is my second home. I spent a lot of time up there uh, and it was definitely fun coming back up there and playing. Do you remember the 13-yard run? Take me through that 13-yard run. Yeah, uh, it was a counter play. Uh, and I know that I, we had a tight end pulling. Uh, and 45 kind of slid under him, so I had to get get skinny and make a miss. Uh, Curtis had a good block out on the, on the corner, out on 27, I believe it was. Uh, and after I made those two miss, it was me and Harris uh, kind of gave him a spin move. Uh, and I just remember him holding on and, you know, just doing what I do, um, driving my feet and trying to get as many yards as I can. With McCaffrey due back here pretty quick, do you have a sense of what your role will be for these final few weeks? Uh, whatever the team needs me to do, um, you know, special teams willing to step in and do anything I can. Um, you know, Christian is definitely one of the league's best. So just willing, whatever he, when, whenever he comes back, you know, learning from him, watching what he does. Uh, and every, every back in the room, you know, Mike's been having a good year, uh, watching what he does. Uh, Trent, he has a, a big, big uh, role on special teams, so learning learning from him on special teams, um, you know, learning from all those guys. Alex, we got Alex. Uh, he's a fullback, but he's in the room with us, you know. Um, so he helps me with pass pro. Um, so just, you know, learning learning from those guys and taking whatever advice and tidbits that they have for me and adding it to my game and 
like I said, whenever I get whatever opportunity I do have, stepping in and doing my job. How much are you following the the Gophers? I mean, Rodney, in many ways, like like your last few months for the Gophers as a whole, it's been a roller coaster. Yeah, uh, seeing they now now recently they're dealing with uh, the COVID thing. Um, I know that's that's tough. Uh, and as far as the games go and them playing, like I said, it's been a lot of ups and downs. They, I, at the beginning of the season, they thought they weren't going to have a season, and, and it got reversed, and they ended up having a season. So now you have to go through training camp uh, and prepare. And now Minnesota, um, people know we're, we're pretty good now. So you're getting everybody's best game now. Um, so I commend those guys for, you know, especially with not having a, a true off season and a true training camp, uh, I commend them for going out there and competing. Uh, and that's all you could ask, uh, have a, have a tough, tough team that goes out and competes every week. And, you know, those guys will definitely go out there and do that every week and hope they stay safe. Um, and that the COVID doesn't doesn't affect them too too much, but you know that's 2020 for you right now. It absolutely is. Who do you keep in touch with over there? Whether it's you know Mo Ibrahim, Coach Fleck, who who are you in in constant or not constant, but you know relatively you know regular contact with? Yeah, I talk to Mo a lot. Talk to Chris a lot. Crab. Um, I tell his Coach Fleck on his birthday. Tell him happy birthday. We was up there actually. On his birthday, yeah, yeah. Text Coach Fleck on his birthday. Talk to Coach Burns still. Um, those are the people that I, I'm mostly in contact with. But, you know, a lot of the guys reach out to me. Uh, I reach out to them, you know, offer support, encourage me, you know, tell them to keep working um, and just do what they do. You know, of course, a, a lot of teams are going to be compared to the season that we had last year, and they can't let that discourage them. Um, each year is different. Each team is different. Um, so just keeping those guys encouraged and, and motivated and letting them know that uh, as long as they go out and compete and do the best that they can do, you know, it's, that's, all, that's all we can ask for. How cool is it, Rodney? I believe you are the 12th former Gopher to play in an NFL game this year. Like yesterday, I'm watching Carter Coughlin chase around Russell Wilson, right? Yeah. Antoine Winfield Jr. We can make a case that that he at least needs to be in the conversation for defensive rookie of the year. Mm -hmm. Tyler Johnson, until they signed Antonio Brown, was was getting a lot of run, right? I mean, go up and down the list. Guys like Devondre Campbell has a nice contract in Arizona. Max Williams got a new contract mm -hmm. in Arizona. Guys that you played with going back many years. But right. how cool is the 12 former Gophers getting run in the NFL? Definitely fun. Uh, like I said, it's, it's something that you dream about. Um, and – I think it puts the program uh, uh, on the map for, you know, uh, recruits to see guys in the NFL um, achieving goals and dreams, of course, uh, and to see that and to, to know that you can make it to that level, I think can encourage people to go play for, you know, the University of Minnesota. Um, and it's dead, like I said, it's definitely fun, especially with guys that I played with to Seeing them week in and week out contributing in the NFL is definitely something that, you know, I, I take pride in. You know, I play with those guys, you know, proud of them. Uh, and it's just a lot of us out there doing doing 
having major roles and contributing on teams, uh, whether that's offensive, defensively, or on special teams. Uh, and proud of all those guys. I'll leave you with this. What sort of ceiling does does Ibrahim have, Rodney? I mean, it just got announced he's a semifinalist for the Doak Walker Award. If you look at just the Big Ten numbers, he's he's right at the top yards. He's right at the top touchdowns. I mean, you can make a case that Mo is one of the best running backs in the country. Yeah, uh, there is no ceiling for him uh, because of how how he works, how he handles his business, um, and he'll tell you that. Uh, he likes to work. He likes showing up. He likes being in the building. He likes watching film. He likes spending time with his teammates, getting to know his teammates. Uh, and a guy like that who loves his teammates, you know, his teammates are willing to do whatever for him uh, on the field and off the field. And I think you can see that, you know, he hugs his linemen. They love him. They love him to death. And that's a guy like that. Like I said, it's always fun to play with a guy like that. Um, and he, of course, he has the the physical capability. You know, he's a, he's a shorter guy. He's not small. A lot of people call him small. He's not a small guy. He's a shorter guy. Uh, so it's tough to see, but he runs extremely hard. Pad leveling balance is amazing. Um, and he, he has the knack for the end zone, uh, as we've all seen. You know, he's running, running it up, scoring a lot of touchdowns this year. Um, so he, he definitely – he doesn't have a ceiling. He's definitely somebody that you could you – you love to see succeed, and, and I'm proud of him. One more hit me, Rodney. So you're the all-time leader, right? Correct me if I'm wrong, in, in all-purpose yards, right? So of every golfer that's ever – that's ever put on the maroon and gold. You yeah. are number one, right, in all-purpose yards. So when I say that, just how much pride do you take in that accomplishment? <laughs> a lot. Um, but I know that it wouldn't have been possible without my teammates and my coaches, uh, you know, giving me that opportunity. Uh, but it's definitely, definitely something that I take pride in. You know, I was talking to one of the assistants on the staff here in Carolina, and they didn't know that I was the all-purpose uh, leading leading all-purpose yardage uh, record holder in, in Minnesota, and they they thought that was pretty cool. Uh, so it's definitely something that I take pride in, um, and it's cool to have my name. You know, it'll it'll always be up there. It won't be one always, but you know, just to have my name in in the record books with guys like you know Mr. Daryl Thompson is you know truly a, a feat and an honor, and I appreciate it. Rodney, stay safe. Keep kicking serious, but all the best the rest of this year, and I'll certainly stay in touch. Happy holidays, okay? Thanks for doing this. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. Former Gopher, Panthers running back Rodney Smith. We are done. Always appreciate you listening. This has been a lengthy podcast. Time for me to hit the road. This has been Scoop Podcast episode 325 on this Thursday late afternoon, early evening, the 10th of December, 2020. Stay safe. Stay sane.